today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie it is still over a month until Easter Sunday, but you'll know this if you've walked into a supermarket at any time over the last couple of weeks. You'll have seen the shelves creaking under the Easter eggs and the bunnies of every size and type of chocolate that it is possible to eat. And many of those are on promotion. So you might be able to buy one, get one free, get three Easter eggs for the price of two, all that stuff. And it makes it really difficult for hard-pressed parents and their children to refuse. Well, joining me now in the studio is Professor Don Loche, who's HSE Clinical Lead for Obesity and Donald, you've big concerns about this, about this trend to bring the chocolate in early and offer it at low prices. Yeah, at, at every stage in the year, the food and drinks industry get more and more previous in their promotion of high fat, high salt, high sugar, ultra processed offerings. Selection boxes are there at back to school time. Yeah, they were August. there in August, I remember yeah, clearly. August. I mean, yeah. I saw that I went in and seen Christmas selection boxes in August and it's cheaper to buy the selection box than it is to buy the bars that are in, in it individually. So uh, fantastic pri- pricing and marketing. Easter eggs are a particular thing. And, and the biggest trouble I've ever got into was a comment about five or six years ago where I said, uh, you know, I like chocolate. And every kid should have an Easter egg, but just one Easter egg. One Easter egg on Easter Sunday, that's it. Uh, One Easter egg on Easter Sunday is how it came into being. Mm -hmm. Um, And it came into being at a time where actually lots of kids gave up sweets for Lent because Lent was a thing. Now Lent is much less of a thing in terms of people giving things up. And what you have is you are encouraged to uh, purchase uh, as many of these eggs as you can throughout Lent. And we know what happens when those uh, eggs or biscuits or any of those ultra processed products are in the house because the human brain is wired to consume. Yeah, I mean, I was in the supermarket last night with my children and I just found myself running past <laughs> the display to try and uh, distract and get away from them. But it is yeah. difficult to do when they're there and they're really good value. You know, yeah. it's, it's tempting. Yeah, no. And uh, Aoife Hearn, who I worked with years ago on uh, Operation Transformation, she sent me a clip of her child uh, and she videoed her child going along uh, the offerings in the supermarket and the oohs and the ahs out of, I think she's four or five, mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, the child, uh, uh, just from the visual impact. Of the colours. Uh, because and the, the colours yeah. are designed nice. and the products are displayed at a level that targets a five-year-old. That th- There's different products that target a seven-year-old. There's different products that target a 12-year-old. And they're displayed at those children's heights eye level because eye level is by level. Okay, it's, really, so it's really planned. Can we go back to the trouble that you got into when you said that every child should only have one Easter egg? Because that's, I think, probably myself and yourself, that's where, how we grew up. That's what we got. We got one Easter egg. Now, though, granny and granddad, maybe on both sides, aunts and uncles, maybe on both sides, buy Easter eggs. And there's a bit of a competition going on in the house as to who got the most yeah, and Easter I, eggs. Yeah. You could end up with eight or nine of them. I, I mean, I think the average is, is about six Uh, And uh, that is too much. It's too much at a time when we do have an obesity epidemic that is having a real impact. So the patients that we're admitting through the emergency department, many are with the complications of obesity. 
So we have to acknowledge that and we have to look where can we improve things. And, you know, being a little controlled in this area uh, would make a big difference at a population okay, level. OK, so what about the parents who'll be listening to this and say, well, look, it's only one day. One day doesn't matter. If you eat four Easter eggs on Easter Sunday, so be it. Uh, I think uh, that attitude and that approach, it, it's, it's wheeled out. It's a narrative. It's flawed because what the food and drinks industry are creating is a, a daily consumption of these products. And then when you come to a special occasion like Halloween, like Christmas, like Easter, the only way uh, to, in inverted commas, make it special is to go vulgar okay. in terms of the, the size of these yep. eggs, uh, the, the number mm. of these eggs and the way in which they're continually promoted. So, I've so we're grazing on the treats the whole way throughout the year, really now, because it's starting back so early. So it comes to the yeah. day, you have to go bigger. You have to go large. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same, you know, the, the we talk about, you know, the 7-Up the and the soft drinks used come in at Christmas. Uh, they weren't a daily, a year weekly thing. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you have to go go large. And, and the food and drinks industry, we've been arguing with... Uh, for over 20 years. And when they eventually said, look, we'll do something about portion size, we'll get rid of the king size Mars bar and the king size Snicker. And then you go into the shop and they have a duo. Yes. Which is exactly the same size. And they're saying, well, it's shareable. And we know that it's not. You're sitting in your car with your duo. You're going to eat both of them. If you you have one half, your brain, and, and people don't understand how hardwired the brain is to be unable to resist the combination of high fat, high salt and high sugar. Mm. Uh, it, it is, you, you cannot stop. OK, but let's talk about the food industry, maybe in a, in a positive way for a moment, because the sugar tax on soft drinks, that changed the formula and reduced the sugar in the drinks. Like it can be done. It can be done. But the only way that happened was through legislation. And the food industry and drinks industry opposed the sugar tax uh, vehemently and very effectively for about a decade. And then when it came in, the reformulation was huge. So and it worked. And it worked. We, so consumption is, I mean, inverted commas, soft drinks is up, but the sh- total sugar content that people are taking in is down. And we're beginning to see a levelling in, in our obesity uh, rates mm-hmm. and trends, which is positive and it's the first time we're kind of able to express that. Okay, well, talk us through that a little bit. What's happening on that score? Well, what we had been looking at was almost a chase. Uh, the trajectory Ireland was on was a, a chase to catch America. We were kind of European leads in the chase for America, who have about 33% obesity rates. Uh, in Ireland, we were in and around the kind of 23-24% in adults. That looks like it's edging down towards 20%, uh, which is very encouraging to to see that beginning of that trend. And in children, we haven't seen in the UK, there was a COVID spike in in weight in in children Mm -hmm. of school going age. Uh, We aren't seeing that in Irish kids. Again, that's positive. So I think in the in the in the wide, I think parents are doing a fantastic job uh, because one in four of our children have overweight or obesity, but four in five don't. Uh, and that's pretty good in the toxic environment that we have. Uh, so, but parents need to realise that at every turn, the food and drinks industry is trying to push them towards ultra processed. And if you're high on ultra processed food as a as a child, 
your palate will reject broccoli. Mm-hmm. Your palate will reject, uh, you know, the whole foods that contain the vitamins and minerals that you need to grow healthily. And when you see obese children coming in, children with obesity coming in for treatment, they're often malnourished. Is that right? Uh, that is correct. Most people living with obesity are uh, deficient in vitamin D, in iron stores, uh, in uh, and they're so important for growing uh, children. You know, if you want healthy bones, you need good vitamin D levels. It's hard with obesity because of, of where the body stores vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you're taking enough in, it's stored in fat and tissue, so y- it doesn't get to where you want it to be. Okay, just on reformulation, uh, Kellogg's is a company that has changed its formula quite a lot when it comes to cereal uh, to reduce the amount of sugar and other harmful ingredients in there. Is that having an impact, do you think? I think uh, reformulation is incredibly powerful. Uh, and uh, the Department of Health have a reformulation committee that is trying to work with industry to see what areas uh, can we make real progress in reformulation Mm -hmm. because that's what the sugar tax did. People went in, they still bought a drink, but they were getting less sugar. If you can go and buy a cereal and have one that's just healthier, it's the same one you bought three weeks ago, but now it's changed and it's healthier in terms of its fibre content, maybe some of its uh, vitamin and mineral content and sugar content. Mm -hmm. That's a real win at a population level. I wanted to talk to you as well on how weight loss drugs like Ozempic and Wegovy are changing the treatment of obesity. And then I saw the news this morning that Oprah Winfrey has left the board of Weight Watchers. And now she had said recently that she was using a weight loss drug for maintenance. And now this decision to leave Weight Watchers, which just seemed to indicate that there is more support now out there for that model of using the weight loss drugs as opposed to that eat less, move more message. What message do you think it sends out that she has taken that decision? Shares in Weight Watchers have fallen by 25% this morning. Okay. Uh, So I'm unaware of her thinking behind that decision. Mm -hmm. But uh, we need to move away from the narrative that the treatment of obesity is eat less, move more. Uh, We understand weight and obesity much better. uh, And that's not the treatment. It's part of of the treatment and and are the drugs now part of the treatment too and the medication that we now have uh, are will will be a game changer they work very well for about a third of people they're kind of okay not great for a third and they don't work for a third so it's not this silver bullet that people think oh if i could just get on ozempic not so and there are side effects but what it, what we have now for the first time is safe treatments for the disease of obesity other than surgery, mm-hmm. which is a very good treatment. So who is it working on? Can you can you tell us? So in the main, uh, we have been using uh, these this family of drugs in diabetes for about 15 years, uh, and they're very good treatments for diabetes. For about the last two years, they've been available in a different dose, higher dose for people with obesity. And if you have complicated obesity, uh, and you're, uh, and by complicated obesity, I mean you have diabetes or you have high blood pressure or you have sleep apnea with your obesity, uh, then uh, the HSE is reimbursing uh, the prescription of Saxenda for those individuals mm-hmm. if they are responders in inverted commas, if they're the third that do well. What will happen over the next decade as we get 
additional treatments coming online and as the current treatments come off patent and therefore there'll be generics, we will have much wider availability uh, and, and these treatments will be used earlier on in the disease of obesity because what you want to do is you want to treat obesity before you get the complications, ideally. So obviously prevention is absolutely core. So we want the 80% of kids uh, who are currently a normal weight we want that that to stay that way, but you've got to treat the complications. Uh, you have to treat obesity before you develop the complications. At the moment, we're treating cancer, we're treating diabetes, we're treating stroke and heart disease. They're all driven by obesity. Uh, so why aren't we treating the obesity before we get to the complicated mm, Because stage? even from a fiscal point of view, I mean, if you can reduce the amount of money you're spending on those conditions by spending on the on the drugs if that's what you need to do it makes sense uh, it, it makes sense and we've done a detailed analysis in the setting of surgery that that uh, an operation for obesity um, uh, within 18 months you have recouped the money that you you spent and you're going into I'm going to say profit from having done that operation mm-hmm. in terms of your health service mm-hmm. those treatments that we've we've talked about are they the options? I mean, they're quite drastic, aren't they? If you talk about surgery and if you talk about these drugs that have side effects. Side effects and, and are lifelong treatments mm-hmm. because it's like any condition that you realise is chronic and relapsing. You know, you don't stop your blood pressure treatment. Yeah. But, so you won't stop your obesity treatment. But, but is the message that, that that sends out to people who are living with obesity that that is what you need to do in order to, to reverse this? Yeah, so... Uh, you know, people get skin cancer, malignant melanoma, because they get too much energy from the sun for their genes. Lots of people lie in a sunbed and don't get that skin cancer. You don't tell somebody with skin cancer that their treatment is sunscreen and a hat. You get obesity because you get too much energy from the toxic environment we're talking about for your genes. There's lots of people eat 3000 calories a day and don't have obesity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still telling of people that the treatment for your obesity is eat less, move more. That's not the case. That's the prevention piece. Yeah. It's important. Uh, and the narrative that, w- that it develops when we have treatments for obesity, like we now have, mm-hmm. is, oh, the realisation that it's a disease. Yes. And once people realise that... It's progress. I suppose when I'm asking that question, I'm thinking about the parents of children who are looking at their child and going, I'm concerned that this child perhaps has overweight or is moving into obesity. And we're saying to them, reduce the amount of Easter eggs coming into the house. Is that fair, really, if uh, to adults we're saying, well, you need this very extreme treatment in order to to treat this condition? Yeah. So the treatments have been licensed from the age of 12 up. If a parent is looking at their child and thinking, I wonder, are they struggling with their weight? Uh, Their child has significant weight issues. We know that the parents underestimate uh, their child's Mm -hmm. weight. Uh, The HSE is standing up an obesity model of care that is developing treatment for children with obesity in the community. Uh, Multidisciplinary teams, including a team in CHI, where we will be having access to bariatric surgery for children with obesity, because children who have severe and complex obesity need as aggressive management as adults. So children over the age of 12 will be eligible for that surgery? uh, Not for the surgery. Well, the surgery will tend to happen in later teens. 
um, and and uh, probably after they transition into the uh, even into the adult services. But uh, there are lots of children living with severe and complex obesity. Uh, they parents need to know that we are beginning to establish services for that, mm-hmm. um, and that drug treatment will be a part uh, of what's offered to to their child. Like those Saxenda, like Ozempic, Saxenda, Wagovi, the the names that people are, are so getting crazy about. But we we have to keep saying that those treatments aren't a magic bullet. Mm-hmm. They don't work um, for everybody, and the. When you have, back to my skin cancer thing, when you have skin cancer and you're on treatment, you're told sunscreen and a hat is very important because you don't want to get more yes. cancers. When you're having treatment for your obesity, uh, the lifestyle around nutrition and physical activity is, part is very of it important. As well. But it's, it's not going to solve the problem but for you. But it's not going to solve the problem. So children over the age of 12 will be eligible for those drugs. Are they eligible for them now in this country? Not at the moment. The obesity programme has written to the Medicines Management Agency saying we want these for our children who have obesity Mm -hmm. um, and are attending these services. Uh, So we will continue to lobby for access to treatment uh, in the 12 plus age group. What about the children under 12? Uh, These drugs haven't been studied under the age of 12. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we practice evidence based medicine. Yeah. But, but, but what is the current model of treatment for children under 12? Uh, that is family based uh, lifestyle intervention. Difficult. Uh, well, very difficult when there is, uh, you know, the progress with, you know, when you have access to farm drug treatments that, you know, help. And you have someone who's 10 living with obesity and there's someone who's 13 can have it. You know, I, I think. Uh, that's that's a difficulty. Mm-hmm. But these are relatively new treatments. I mean, it's understandable why we're not there yet. Uh, yeah, and, and the, the role of, of drug treatment when a child is growing, uh, you know, there's always uh, concerns. Uh, you, you want to be ultra safe uh, in, that, in that setting. But mm-hmm. I think uh, as the next five to ten years develop, uh, we will see exactly where the drug treatment fits in, both, both in the treatment space and in the kind of cost effectiveness space, because we'll have to watch and, and look for that too. OK, well, look, we've, we've gone around the houses there, but back to the main point, coming up to Easter, try to av- avoid that aisle and just leave the Easter egg to the Easter bunny and he'll bring one and that'll be it. I think that would be at a population level. That's the kind of approach that would make a difference. Donald, thank you very much for coming in. It's always really interesting to talk to you. Professor Donald O'Shea, HSE Clinical Lead for Obesity. We'll take a break. Text 51551 today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.